to this is Cruise Radio Rewind. Real reviews from real cruisers. How's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this weekend's episode of Cruise Radio Rewind. If you're a first-time listener, Cruise Radio Rewind is an extension of our Thursday show, Cruise Radio, but a more of a catch-all. So if we didn't get to tackle something on Thursday show, or if we have some more news that broke after Thursday show, you'll find it right here on Cruise Radio Rewind. If you have a nose for news, Cruise Radio News, daily updates of the news, help you keep abreast of everything going on in this ever-so-changing cruise world. You can find that where you listen to your favorite podcast. Just type in Cruise Radio News. Cruise industry analyst Stuart Sheeran, the cruise guy, joins us right now. Hey, Stuart. Hey, Doug. How you doing? Good, buddy. Breaking down this new CDC no-sale order that was issued on Thursday evening, there seems to be this cone of confusion circulating it. What does it actually mean, and how does it look moving forward? Well, what they're trying to do is they're trying to provide a framework for the cruise lines to operate. This has nothing to do with cruise, you know, cruise ships that uh, don't uh, begin or depart or interact with U.S. ports. So we'll start there. It set out some conditions from which the cruise lines can begin to plan and from which they'll operate. So essentially, it'll, 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 this, this order, which, so we can clear, clarify, this order supersedes the one from that, that, that began March 13th or essentially went into effect on March 14th. So some people were, well, does not, you know, because they'll say there's a time period. Um, is it 100 days from the previous order or this order? It's, it's this order. Um, so the March one is null and void as far as coming out with the timeline. So the first is there's an expiration by the Secretary of Health and Human Services declaring that COVID-19 uh, constitutes a public health emergency. So if he comes out and says that it no longer is a, is a health concern, then this expires. Second, the CDC director rescinds or modifies the order based on public health guidance or other considerations. And third, 100-day pass uh, from the from the date that the order is published in the Federal Registrar uh, Register, which is uh, scheduled for April the 15th. So theoretically, the, the clock um, isn't really ticking yet, but it could be changed. There's, there's not nothing's etched in stone. The CDC director could say in two months, 60 days, you know, the cruise lines are are good to go, based on you know whatever agreed framework they agreed to operate when operating in U.S. territorial waters and ports. Behind the scenes, though, Stuart, is CLIA working with the government on this, and is everyone kind of on the same page? Well, they, they were on very different pages. They have been working um, very diligently, and several of these provisions were, were changed through, through the uh, negotiations. But there's, there's a lot that, that came out from this that, uh, you know, let's say the you know, CLIA in their response said they were concerned about the potential unintended consequences. I think it's more like we were pissed off <laughs> about the potential unintended consequences of the recent no-sale order because it targets a single industry. And the potential impact, for example, on a 100-day suspension in Alaska alone could eliminate about 330 sailings. It could be a loss of 686,000 passengers. Wow and $428 million in direct spending uh, into the U.S. economy. That's, that's, that's significant. So, you know, they, they're going to continue to work with different government agencies because, unfortunately, as, as I think we both would agree, that the industry, you know, has been somewhat isolated and scapegoated. And 
you know, to give you an idea that, um, you know, the, the CDC in the letter, there, there's a growing recognition, particularly the vulnerability of cruise ships. And it's important to note, for, for example, like Carnival Corporation, which has 105 ships, there have only been seven ships with guests who've tested positive out of sailing since December that included tens of thousands of guests on board every day. It's really not fair, and, and it's, it's important to understand that these ships are microcosms of society. It wasn't like the cruise ship, the cruise lines had their own labs on board, and they're, they're cultivating it. This, is, this was begun, you know, essentially back, let's say, on Diamond Princess. It was started by an asymptomatic cruise passenger that had been previously on a, on a sailing from a particular town in California. And then as the sailings continued to progress, more people from those infected regions were coming on the ships, you know, more than likely felt they were ill, but they didn't know what they had and felt they were good enough to travel and they got it on the ships. But, you know, we're certainly a whole lot more understanding and knowledgeable about coronavirus than we were 60 days ago. Mm-hmm. And we'll certainly be a little bit more uh, educated on, on it in the next 60 days. But realistically, at this point, I, I think the I think the, the the industry will be able to um, begin operations in the next sixty days. Just to play devil's advocate here, why is the airline industry not being called out as much? I mean, I personally know three flight crew members, one pilot, two flight attendants, all three positive, and a fourth one just got tested yesterday. And they work for a major carrier. Like, why aren't these folks being singled out? Doug, unfortunately, because. The numbers aren't as high, and you know everyone understands airplanes. People don't know cruise ships, so mm-hmm. most of the people that are finger pointing at the cruise industry are are the same people that call them, let's say, petri dishes, or they they right. call them, you know, uh, you know, close in quarters. They obviously don't know anything really about the cruise lines uh, or or the cruise ships because that that isn't what um, occurs. And you know, you, you mentioned you know that situation on the airplanes. Well, the CDC reported this week that um, there was a small family um, gathered, um, you know, for a funeral in Chicago, uh, and that person then went to a birthday party, uh, essentially affecting, infecting 15 people, and unfortunately, three died. Wow. It's very unfortunate what's going on, but we all kind of need to work together to ensure that, that everything is safe. But let's not, you know, just, you know, attempt to grandstand and exacerbate a situation um, unnecessarily, which unfortunately is, is a lot of what, what is going on, um, especially when you're, you know, you, you know they're, they're picking on the, the cruise industry. I mean, you know, when you talk about, you know, you, you hear, you know, Dr. Anthony Fauci, you know, talking at the press conferences, um, what he has to undertake in order to be in the presence of the president or the vice president. They have to fill out a questionnaire, has to get his temperature checked, um, and, you know, you may be subject to secondary medical screening. Well, isn't that what the cruise lines do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so there isn't much that we can do. Not only, not only will passengers' temperatures be checked, but they're also going to have thermal body scanners. I think they're still going to try to go forward with, well, if you're over 70, then uh, you need a doctor's note. Um, I mean, that, that's not etched in stone. But, uh, you know, we're finding out that uh, a lot, there's a lot of vulnerability in, in younger people uh, as well, younger passengers as well. 
Okay, so the takeaway with this CDC no-sale order that was issued on Thursday night was that it's basically extended for another 100 days, potentially, but it's really just the framework for moving forward, and it could be rescinded at any time. Correct. Okay. It can good. be changed. Okay, let's switch gears here, and let's talk about some of the funding that the cruise lines have secured, because every financial analyst you read, whether it be in USA Today, Wall Street Journal, Miami Herald, they have a different prediction for every cruise line. Some say they're going under, some say they're going to succeed. So how are these lines weathering the financial storm? And I want to kind of go one by one. So let's start with Royal Caribbean first. Well, their chairman has, is not, you know, is not taking his salary. There were pay cuts by uh, other top executives, furbishments and enhancements and construction projects and revitalizations of, of ships have been um, either canceled or, or delayed. There's, you know, who knows? There's a possibility, you know, ships could be delayed, um, not to mention, you know, uh, loans were taken. Um, you know, there, there's, there's different things that have been undertaken, Doug, mm-hmm. um, and, and each of these cruise lines in order to, uh, so essentially there's loans. There, that that have been uh, enacted. They've they've all ta- they've all um, taken action on letters of credit that they have. So and you have you know let's say with Carnival. I mean you know not only have they gone into the private sector uh, for funds. I mean you you had you know um, the financial arm of the uh, Saudi Arabian government essentially bought uh, an 8.2 percent stake in in Carnival Corporation. So essentially for the most part these companies are funded if they didn't have to sail through the end of the year. So there, there's been a lot of pain, a lot of effort that has gone into. Ships have been, you know, with certain cruise lines, like with NCL, for example, that have been mortgaged using the ships as collateral to ensure that they have enough cash on hand in order to continue to um, operate um, through the end of the year as if they didn't have any passengers. The Saudi Arabia investment is interesting because it's getting a lot of pushback, not from me, but for people who don't understand how it works, saying, why is Carnival teaming up with Saudi Arabia with their human rights over there and all the issues? And they're not. It just so happened that this entity who had talked about doing something like this years ago decided, you know, at this price, they they did want to own a percentage of of the company. It's not like, uh, you know, they, they had a whole lot to say on it. This group decided they wanted to buy, you know, with their investment fund, they wanted to buy an 8.2 share of Carnival Corporation. So just to break this down so I understand it, um, if I were to log on to my Ameritrade account and I wanted to buy 43.5 million shares of Carnival Corporation, I would buy it at market price. I know it's really more involved than that, but that's basically what they're doing. They're buying a set amount of shares at market price, which was, I believe, what it was on March 26th. Yeah. I mean, there are... You know requirements that they have. You know certain steps they have to go to, go through when you're buying so many shares uh, of any company. But essentially, that's what they did. Another big buy about a week ago looks like a company out in L.A. called Capital World Investors bought 12.2 million shares of Norwegian Cruise. And and I would uh, assume there's going to be more. I mean, Mm -hmm. we know that when these cruise lines are operating, they are profitable. They they do provide good, uh, strong uh, returns on investments. And at such low prices, um, they're very uh, attractive to um, investment entities. Lastly, I want to touch on here. A few days ago, Carnival Cruise Line said they would be taking a conservative approach to starting up again. Is that to be expected? Well, I, I think it's to be expected of all of them. You know, right now, you know, you've got, uh, you know, this this past week, we we you know saw you know UBS 
come out and say that there's a they, they, they're detecting a nine percent increase in bookings for 2021 versus you know versus the same time last year you know for 2020 bookings um, when we were back in 2019. Um, we we you know certainly know that there are a lot of people that were on canceled sailings that instead of taking refunds are rebooking for sailings in 2021. Um, there's a lot of people that just are booking sailings for 2021. There's a lot of confidence out there, Doug. And uh, right now for 2020, all people need to know is when will the cruise lines begin? Where will the ships be sailing? And essentially have to figure out how to get there. It's going to be very different in 2020 and a lot of plans. So, you know, let's say, you know, I, we, we had talked briefly about Alaska. There are going to be cruise lines that will not be going to Alaska. There's going to be a lot of changes coming up in uh, in the next couple of weeks with uh, itinerary revisions. There will be fewer ships going to Alaska. There will be fewer ships going to Europe. So it's going to be very important for people to be paying attention over the course of the next two weeks that may be on sailings. You know, for the most part, you know, if you're supposed to be going in May, the reality is is that there's going to be probably very few, if because you know, some of the cruise lines are still thinking they're going to be able to restart in May. Mm-hmm. Um, the reality is it's probably going to be late June or even into July. Yeah. So that is going to shorten a lot of different seasons because in the next two weeks, this is typically when you have the ships that depart out of the Caribbean and the Mexican Riviera you know, off the west coast of the U.S. and head for either Alaska or for Europe. There's going to be a lot of changes, so we're going to see fewer ships sailing there. So if you know, certain ships that were supposed to be in Europe are now in the Caribbean, they're going to be starting from booking zero. And it's important to understand that, you know, some of these analysts, Doug, that you had mentioned, well, they're going to have to have some of these really deep discounted sales. Well, no, that isn't actually the case. The post-coronavirus situation is much different than post-9-11. People were scared to leave their homes after 9-11, let alone travel internationally. And what was interesting is to see how, how many people felt unsafe to travel at sixteen ninety nine, but they felt much safer traveling at two ninety nine. But here we're you know we're finding that many people are rebooking cruises for twenty twenty one that were originally canceled sailings and are finding that if they booked the same sailing, it may be at the same price or even higher in certain instances. So cruise lines will certainly offer you know fares and they may have certain enticements but nothing remotely close to post 9-11. So as an example, last year we, when, when NCL decided to pull um, Norwegian Joy out of China and move it to Mexican Riviera and Alaska, they had to start from booking zero. So essentially they were offering you know, similar prices to what their other ships were, Doug, and then they, they, they turned around on, on select sailings. Um, with a, if you booked within a certain period of time, if you were coming from certain... U.S. gateways, they were offering free air, mm-hmm. which then turned into a, you know, somewhat of a, of a good promotion that they used on a lot of their other sailings that needed some help. But the point is that we're not going to see, you know, 299 for seven-day cruises widespread like we did after 9-11. Yeah, so we're not going to see post-9-11 prices on cruises, but are we going to see more North American home ports? I think we're definitely going to see a lot of the ships that were scheduled. Uh, let's say, you know, I think there's going to be more ships out of Fort Lauderdale, more out of Miami. Los Angeles, definitely out of San Diego, and you know besides the you know the Caribbean sailings and the Mexican Riviera sailings, I think we'll see you know we may see a, a few extra Hawaii sailings from the West Coast, but uh, I think you know who knows you know we may see things that 
are traditionally unavailable during the summer, um, that might be possible, which, which could be, um, it could even be Panama Canal sailings in the, in the summer to kind of change things up. I think all options are on the table. Then again, Doug, you know, we were seeing certain ports that were causing problems for cruise ships. Let's say Jamaica and Grand Cayman, for example, that uh, really didn't know what the heck they were doing. Someone with a, a toothache, and they were canceling the, the cruise line's ability to, to dock there. And that was unfortunately, you know, disappointing a lot of, and understandably disappointing a lot of passengers. But at this point, I think people are, are just, look, they just want to get away. They want to know that they can, they can vacation in a, in a safe manner. You know, there's not going to be the risk of getting quarantined for two weeks because of one or two ill people mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, the proper procedures are going to be put in place so that not everybody is at risk of being impacted, not affected, but impacted like previous sailings. So there's a lot of, a lot of work. There's a lot of procedures that are being, you know, worked out right now to, to ensure that. But, uh, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot more ships home ported uh, in North America in 2020 than what was originally scheduled. We've been talking with cruise industry analyst Stuart Chiron. Find him at cruiseguy.com. Stuart, thanks again, my friend. My pleasure. All right, that'll do it for this weekend's episode of Cruise Radio Rewind. You can catch everything we talked about today on our website at cruiseradio.net or cruiseradio.com now. The guy finally sold it to me. So this guy, for almost the past 11 years, he's been trying to sell me this site for $10,000 saying, hey, you really need cruiseradio.com. I'm like, I don't really need it. It'd be nice to have, but I'm not paying you $10,000 for it. So I counter-offered him recently, and it was nowhere near $10,000, I'll tell you that much, but uh, he actually let it go and sold it. So we now have cruiseradio.com as well. Now let's just hope the cruise industry's all right after dumping that money into that .com domain. Uh, We'll talk to you on Thursday. Thanks for being here. Stay safe and take care. During these difficult times for the travel industry, Cruise Radio stands behind the men and women who work so hard to bring our vacation dreams to life. From the captains and crew to travel agents, tour operators, vendors, and port employees, we offer a sincere thank you on behalf of the thousands of guests whose lives you impact each and every day. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry, with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.